You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I am doing great. Uh, we're sort of in the, are we in the middle of football season now? Can we say that? We're in the middle of it or the beginning of it? We're certainly in the beginning of it. You know, it can be like the middle, the way that B is in the middle of the alphabet. I mean, because I mean, we just like started. It. We're definitely on B. Everything between A and Z is in the middle. So, yeah. That's right. We're definitely on B. We're not on A anymore. We're on B. And uh, as a matter of fact, by the end of this week, there will be football games played that count. And by that, I'm talking about uh, high school football begins this week, Thursday night, all over the state. Yep, and I'm going to remind everybody again that I'll be doing the scoreboard show this Friday night. It will be on TV. I have no idea what channel it'll be on in your area. Um, by the way, Jimmy, uh, every time I say, do you know how, like, um, for Animal, when Animal House, in Animal House, they said, you know, like the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor, and now I Whenever somebody says Pearl Harbor, I'm always like, yeah, the, you know, the Germans did it. And I'm like, damn it, no, they didn't because they just screwed me up. Well, we had a sheriff, a local sheriff uh, in Tallapoosa County. Uh, his name was Joe Smith, and I think he has since passed away. But uh, anywho, he was running for sheriff, and this was 30 years ago. And they, he had a commercial, and he... He was pretty country, like country is cornbread. I mean, just real country. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he had a commercial on the radio that was just the worst you've ever heard. I mean, in <laughs> fact, it was so bad that the very beginning of it, and this is before you had a lot of digital, like, you know, it was tough to right. edit something. You know, you really need to do it in one take. If, you know, on a local level. And you could hear them saying cut several times in the commercial because they were like nope you screwed that up nope screwed that up cut nope screwed that up cut and um his his whole commercial was this is sheriff joe smith there are many problems that have been facing this community a lot of drugs in there in this area and so whenever i say area now I always go area and he and, then got it, that from the, there. and it, he always said at, at the end of his commercial does like a war, like the war against drug, even a little mean a lot. And and so, like, whenever somebody says drugs, we're always like, in a war like the war against drugs, even a little mean a lot. Um, but so my point is, I can't not say area anymore. I can't just say area. I just say area. But anywho, by the way, that's the only, the, the radio, local radio station said that was the only radio advertisement that they've ever had requested be played and my father was the one that was requesting it because whenever he had business people in town like for the foundry he's like y'all got to hear this shit (laughs) and so (laughs) he would call in and request it they finally sent him a tape of it and (laughs) a cassette tape and we used to play it damn we played the hell out of it but anywho uh y'all almost got that on the kick back then uh, y'all almost got that on the casey Kasem countdown the most popular yeah, things on the radio. Uh, that's another funny thing is um, if you're, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of the Simpsons. Uh, there was when I think it was, yeah, when Bart 
pretended to fall down a well and really all he did was put that yeah. um mr microphone down the well and pretended right, yeah. that he was down there and remember they remember. did like a um we are the world thing but it was we're sending our love down the well and it was like all these celebrities <laughs> that sang for it and so it went to number one and then when it turned out it was a fraud uh they showed casey case and he was like and you know falling out at number one spot all the way to number 99 is sending our love down the well the new number one is <laughs> the new number one song is i do believe we're naked by funky c funky do i'll never forget that <laughs> I do believe we're naked. I mean, what a great song title. <laughs> it's funny. Um, anywho, um, let me let me do this. Let let me go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we'll jump into the scrimmage because I don't want to like start getting into the scrimmage. I have to take a break in the middle of it, so let's take a break real quick. All right, Jimmy, scrimmage report. I need yours. Right. Go. Well, I mean, obviously, like 99.999% of people, I wasn't there. So I'm piecing this together from various media reports and various uh, things said here and there. But I, I would, but uh, here's the number one thing. I guess, you know, some people would argue it's the ankle injury to Kendall Randolph. Kendall had settled in as the number one right tackle. Nick Saban had even complimented him in one of his press conferences, making it almost sound not like his mind is made up, but making it sound like he would be very comfortable with Kendall Randolph becoming the number one right tackle. And then boom, in the scrimmage, he turns his ankle and he's obviously going to either miss some time or play banged up. And uh, that is a big story in the sense that if he misses time, it's a heck of an opportunity for freshman JC Latham to make a run at that spot. He'll get extra reps, extra time with the first team. Uh, so that'll be really interesting. Um, you know, uh, but I think, in my opinion, there's two two bigger stories than even that. And and to me, it's Trey Sanders. And this is why uh, we talked about this the entire offseason. Uh, and that is, I just kind of considered anything Trey could give the team this year gravy. Uh, I just looked at it like, hey, look, uh, uh, B-Rob's good. Jace McClellan's good. Wardell Williams is good. It's going to be shocking if Kamara Wheaton doesn't show up good. Uh, we're fine at running back. We don't need Trey. Therefore, they can just take their time with Trey. Rushing back is dumb. We don't need him. Uh, but if he's able to give us something, that's awesome because it's just gravy. Well, from all reports and all that we've managed to hear, it sounds to me like Trey has looked great, that his his speed and quickness is either completely back or almost completely back, certainly fast and quick enough to play. And then he participates on the first scrimmage, which was, which would have surprised me if you told me that in May or June, that Trey would be a full go in scrimmage number one. That's pretty shocking because, you know, you can't really put a black Jersey on a running back. That means Trey was ready for contact, made it through the scrimmage. And from what I hear was sort of a standout. So, I think the biggest news to me is that Trey Sanders might in fact be healthy. And as good as that running back room is, Luke, as good as it is, and it's one of the best rooms on the team in terms of everyone in the room's a good player, I, in my opinion, just straight up pure talent, Trey's better than all of them, better than Brian, better than Jace, better than Roy Dell, better than even Kamar, in my opinion, based on what we saw out of a high school tape. So, I think Trey Sanders' health is kind of the number one story from yesterday's uh, – or from Saturday's scrimmage. Okay. 
And I think that's a big story too. And in fact, I had a couple of people text me late last night, like, hey, what do you you heard anything about Trey Sanders? And at first I was like, Oh shit, you know, with his luck, don't tell me he was hit by a falling motorcycle from a crashing helicopter. You know, that guy has had some of the worst luck so far. Right. Don't don't tell me that something else happened. They're like, no, no, I mean, the all the reports we see is like he was sort of kick ass. And yep. You know, I've I've had sort of a man crush on Jace McClellan. That's been my dude. And, you know, maybe th- that doesn't mean Jason McClellan still can't be the dude. I mean, this is one scrimmage, no telling what – it may not mean anything. But it does make me think into the future because, again, nobody in sports or really in society can enjoy the moment anymore. You have to right. enjoy further down the moment because yeah, – The next moment. Uh, the next moment, because it's, it's funny, like there was a whole thread on Bama Online about um, a Georgia thread where the guys are like, well, Alabama fans know, you know, they're on top right now, but they know we're coming. We're going to be right there. And I'm like, "That's how is that an insult? Why don't we just go, okay, yeah, we're on top right now. Yeah, you're exactly right. Why, why would we be worried about how good Georgia's going to be in three years? This is stupid. But um, my point is that you know, it does make me think immediately, okay, as you were talking, I was like, okay, I wonder if um, Jason McClellan or Roy Dale Williams can still take a red shirt if last year doesn't really count, or does last year count as a red shirt? Or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, I don't want to lose any of these guys. I love Kamar Week, right. I love Jace, I love them all. I don't think they will red shirt, but uh, the answer is yes, they can. Jace and Roy Dale last year just did not count. It wasn't even a redshirt year. It just didn't count. Like, it didn't happen. And, the th- and, and that's fine. That's what they decided to do is to, is to not punish a kid by, hey, one of the years of your eligibility is going to be the most screwed up, effed up thing ever. Uh, so we're just not going to count the year against anybody. I get it, and I'm all for it because I'm pro player. But uh, it's created a whole bunch of problems down the road. But, no, last year just did not count. It wasn't a redshirt year. It wasn't a year at all. So the true freshmen that played last year, like Jace, like Roy Dell, they are still eligible for a redshirt year. And what it really means, Luke, is this. If you were an athlete playing college sports in 2020, you have six years. Yeah. You, have five, you can play five out of six years, or four, well, I guess four or five. Well, yeah. I, now I've confused myself. But you, you you have six years. Yeah, you can play five. You can play five because it did not count. So, but but wait a minute. That fifth year, years. that fifth year may only be a six game season. You know, because it was last right. year, and some teams only played a six game season or whatever. But still, and I don't want to get off on topic. I want to keep it on the scrimmage. But what that means is we should see a lot of career records shattered because correct. there should there also probably correct. are some uh, freshman dudes or. You know, guys that started as freshmen that aren't good enough to ever go to the pros, but they're good enough to be a starter for X amount of years. And so they ought to, you know, six or five years or whatever. I mean, I guess theoretically you could play six years if you played like two games and then you had the red shirt and then, you know, who knows. Um, anyway, Here's let's the most go back interesting, to- And you're right. We shouldn't get off on a tangent, but while you're on that, <laughs> just one thing to bring up just because it's so hilarious to me that it could happen. But like, let's take a player like Bryce Young, who – because of his size, may not ever be considered the number one pick in the draft or a top ten pick in the draft. He may never be looked at in that way simply because of his size. 
but he's making a million dollars or more per year. Why wouldn't he play six years at Alabama and make $6 million or more while being the starting quarterback at Alabama if all he's going to hear from the NFL is, ah, with his size, he's second or third round at best. Well, stay at Alabama for six years. Make $6 million. That's true. You know, so so anyway. But, yeah, we we can get off on rabbit holes talking about the uh, eligibility issues. Please don't say we can get off on rabbit holes again. Don't do that again. <laughs> that's, that's not what you say. You go down a rabbit hole. Is that a new hole. thing? You don't get Is off. Is that a new thing? I'm a, now I'm afraid to Google. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of Bryce Young, he had three touchdowns yesterday and one interception by Terry and Arnold, of all people. Um, what would you hear about that? Well, I think it's interesting. It's a good reminder of this. Uh, Kool-Aid and I'm responsible as anybody. I've hyped Kool-Aid from going back to the 11th grade, but all through this spring, I thought he was great this spring. And I've hyped Kool-Aid as a, as a starter on this team. I, I thought at some point he would beat out Jalen Armour Davis, and that may happen. It may happen. But what I've done with all my Kool-Aid hype is practically forget there's a whole other five-star cornerback who is very similar to Kool-Aid in every way, even down to the fact he's an outstanding basketball player. And that's Terry and Arnold, who, uh, who picked off Bryce Young, which means that Terry was with the twos, and, and Bryce was quarterback in the ones, and Terry made a play on, 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 a, on a ball. And let, it's just a good reminder that, hey, uh, Kool-Aid's not the only five-star corner that's yeah. new to the team, and we should not be surprised at all if Terry on Arnold ends up being a dude right off the bat. I mean, that's what a lot of five stars are. They show up dudes. And I think Kool-Aid did. And, uh, and Terry and Arnold uh, announcing his presence on Saturday. Both of those were five stars by the new on three site that you're a part of, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Which means that the, uh, we like to think the best evaluators in the business, uh, they, they couldn't be higher, you know, on those two. Well, it's weird because meanwhile, this weekend, while the scrimmage is going on, we also got a couple of crystal balls in from Steve uh, Wiltfong. Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. Wiltfong? Yeah, um, Wiltfong. Mm-hmm. Who uh, said Denver Harrison or Little should be committing to Alabama. And I think Little is a five-star on some circuits. He's a four-star on others. Uh, and Denver Harris is like a universal five-star, I believe. So um, that would be kind of ridiculous. And it all comes on the heels of Patrick Sertan Jr., uh, having a pick six and I mean, just an incredible day. I mean, arguably of all the rookies that played this weekend in the NFL, Sertan had the best weekend. Yeah. And it shouldn't surprise anyone, but particularly Alabama fans, because let's remember as we're sitting here talking about can Terry on Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry win starting spots as, as freshmen, as cornerbacks. That's exactly what Pat Sertan did. Yeah. Pat Sertan showed up with the same type of hype that Kool-Aid and Terrion Arnold have, if not more, and was immediately as good as everyone hoped he would be. I mean, there was never a discussion. Was there ever – I mean, we discuss this stuff every day, Luke. <laughs> was there ever even a discussion that Pat Sertan wasn't everything he was cracked up to be? No. He was, he, he was a five-star. He showed up, and you're like, damn, he was a legit five-star. Then he was yeah. three and done in the ninth pick in the draft. I mean, that's yeah, that's just otherworldly. Pat Sertan 
maybe in retrospect, I saw somebody else say this. That's so true, and it was said. I watch all the draft coverage, and I remember it being said by a couple of analysts who said, Sertan is the safest pick in this draft. Of all the guys that, that, you know, who knows how great some of these quarterbacks may end up being, but if you want to pick a first-round pick, a guy at the top of the draft that you just know will be a good player in this league, take Sertan. And I think he proved it uh, preseason game one. All right, Jimmy, let's take another break. When we come back, we'll talk a little more about the scrimmage, and then I want to talk about Tua's performances. Okay, so anything else from the scrimmage? I know a couple of guys were held out. You talked about uh, Randolph being nicked up, spraining an ankle. Um, but overall, nobody was really hurt or anything. I mean, and I, and I should bring it up because Florida has lost a starting uh, defensive back who I think played at Bob Jones in high school. That's right, uh, Jaden Hill, who I thought – you know, he was a guy Alabama passed on, almost similar to, like, Trey Fagans this year, you know, in terms of, like, here's a guy who's pretty good. And Alabama's passing on him because they think they're going to get a, an even more highly regarded kid from out of state. And we did. We did. But at the same time, you're like, gosh, but I hate when these in-state guys go to other power programs and do really well. And, and Jaden Hill was one of those guys, but he hurt himself and is out for the year. At Florida, and a big blow for them. No, for us, I, I think this is – we've got some guys banged up. Obviously, LeBron Ray hasn't even practiced. I don't think Braylon Ingram has. And now Kendall Randolph is hurt. Shane Lee missed a practice or two. Billingsley was out, we know, a little bit in the doghouse. But here, here's the good news, Luke. To my knowledge right now, less than three weeks from kick, I, I, I can't tell you a name of a kid who won't be available versus Miami. To my knowledge, yeah. all 87 will be available against Miami, which is remarkable as of right now. Now, that's going to change, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe LeBron Ray and Braylon Ingram can't play by then. I, I don't know that. But, but to my knowledge at this point, uh, I think we have all 87 kids ready to go. Uh, that is pretty remarkable. I mean, that, that's really incredible. Um, and we certainly could use some some good non-injury <laughs> luck like that. Um, all right, let's do talk about Tua's performance. Were you able to see it uh, yesterday or uh, yeah, Saturday uh, at uh, noon? Um, sort of. I was able to follow along where I was. I wasn't able to see a lot of it, but I did see some of it, followed along all of it. I thought he played – I thought it went about as well as it could. Um, for one thing, he was down – Several of their best receivers didn't even yes. suit up and play. They had a lot of receivers banged up. So it wasn't the full group. And uh, all things considered, I thought he was good. I thought the main thing for me in terms of, like, how to evaluate to his performance was just this. Did he look more like a, a, a long-term NFL starting quarterback yesterday than he did last season? And to me, the answer to that was yes. I, I, I thought he looked better. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but it was better. And and to me, uh, I wouldn't say he's a story of the day. And maybe Justin Fields might have been, but but I, I think he was good and gave Miami fans uh, hope and optimism and enthusiasm that uh, hey, we think we might have something here. Yeah, and I thought he looked pretty doggone strong. I mean, he was really on target, and I think that that may have played against him uh, on that interception. He had been so on target. He was squeezing it into such tight holes and such small windows that I think maybe he tried to do a little too much on that uh, end zone interception. I did see something later on that because people are dissecting the hell out of his play. 
from the other day. In, in a preseason game, like you said, where his, some of his best receivers weren't there, his offensive line was a little bit patchwork. Um, it, you know, there, people are reading a little too much into it. I think what I gleaned from it was, okay, he moved around pretty well. Um, his footwork was good. Uh, he seemed to be very, very accurate, which is what he's known for. And, yeah, he may have tried to force one in the end zone, but as I said, somebody dissected that a little more and said the receiver did a really bad job of coming back to the ball too. Like that, it it was it was not a the best place to go. It was a tight window, a little bit risky, but the receiver could have helped him out. And yeah. I, you know, a better receiver probably makes the play or at least bats it down. Was the argument? Now again, maybe that's somebody who's too much of a Tua apologist, but. Um, <laughs> I, I am of the belief this guy can be really, really good in this league if everybody would just get off his case for a minute. He's already become an anti-hero in the NFL in a sense. And it's just so funny. I'm like, guys, this is a – I mean, he might drink. I don't know. He might smoke weed every day. I don't know. He didn't strike me as a dude that does all that shit or that's a womanizer or – you know, that's involved in anything uh, nefarious, anything. Um, he just strikes me as a really good person, as evidenced by the fact that didn't he just, he did he pay for all the funerals for the that terrible accident? Um, I believe so. I, I know, I know yeah, the, there's something, something I, 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 you know, he raised uh, something like 90000 at the Luau in Tuscaloosa yeah. and, uh, and, and a lot of that money went to that cause, I believe. But yeah, there's no, there's no question what kind of person two is. And I think he's going to be a good player. We just like you said, Luke, kind of in a society where it's not about, you know, it's not about hey, how do you think Tua played today? It's about can we win playoff games in the Super Bowl with this guy? Yeah, uh, and, I mean that that's that's and and it's crazy that that's. I guess that's just social media for you where every fan has social media and everybody's got an opinion and, and uh, you know, it's a developmental position. I mean, it's developmental. I mean, Peyton Manning and Troy Aikman, you know, set interception records their rookie year. D does that mean we've got to take away their Hall of Fame jackets now? I mean, let's give these guys <laughs> chances to develop. And, and, and Miami doesn't have good players around Tua. On offense, and it, it reminds me of something you know Coach Saban said about when asked about Bryce's performance. He said, you know, I thought Bryce played pretty good. I think I think what could really help Bryce is if we played better around him. I think what Coach Saban was referring to is the offensive line was a little makeshift again because Evan Neal didn't practice. I think another guy didn't practice. Kendall Randolph was actually playing left tackle when he got hurt uh, because Evan wasn't out there. Uh, and again, Levin wasn't out there just because, you know, he had a minor thing and they didn't want to take any chances with one of the best players on the team. But the point is, it's a makeshift offensive line. And, and then, you know, you're trying to block Alabama's pass rush. So I imagine Bryce spent a lot of time having to bail on plays um, Saturday. And I think that's what Coach Saban meant when he said we got to play better around him. Uh, Two has got the same problem. He does not have a premier offensive line. He has not worked a single game yet where they had a, an A-plus receiving core. They haven't had a, you know, a, a Derrick Henry type type of running back to take some pressure off of him. So he's in a tough situation. Now, they got a good defense. I think Miami's going to win some games uh, this year, and I think they might even make a run at the playoffs. But fans are just so demanding 
about the, 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 the perfection that they insist upon that, uh, that, that players just get overly criticized. Yeah, it really is uh, ridiculous the amount of pressure they put on these guys so early. Um, but having said that, I thought Jalen Waddle looked electric. I mean, that's, that's the word that I heard used for him several times this weekend was just this, this cat. This cat, so there's something different about this cat. And we um, plays fast and fast in the world, fastest league in the world. Waddles fast, even for that yeah. league. Yeah. And you know, it did make me think this weekend too, um, because they were talking about Waddle and, and what a great punt returner he is. Um, and uh, it made me think because everybody remembers the punt return he had against LSU. Isn't it kind of weird? that, okay, we've lost to LSU at home three times since 2007. You know, Saban's first year, we lost to him in the game of the century. Um, And then, of course, we lost to him in 2019 when they had their magical run. Two of those games, we returned to punt for a touchdown. I wonder how many times in Alabama history have we returned to punt for a touchdown and lost the game. I can think of when Javi did it against uh, Oklahoma State in the bowl game. And I, obviously he did it against um, LSU that game, and then Jalen Waddle did it. But boy, I can't remember a lot of times we returned a punt or a punt for a touchdown and didn't win it. Yeah, it's got to be rare. You know, the knots, the non-offensive touchdowns, are so big in the sport. Even even in today's game, where there's so many more points than there used to be, and offenses are, offenses are so explosive, knots are still big because it's like a touchdown without a possession. It's, it's literally is it's a touchdown without a possession. Hey, as long as people are keeping the ball these days, Luke, you're only going to get about eight or nine possessions yeah. in a game these days. You're only going to get eight or nine times. How big is it to score and not even use one of your eight or nine possessions? And that's what yeah, happens on a punt return or a, or a defensive score. And uh, under Nick Saban, there's been a ton of uh, special teams and defensive scores. Um, all right, buddy. Well, we will uh, be back tomorrow. We might have some more scrimmage updates. Oh, uh, Monday night. About oh, uh, as people listen to this on Monday, uh, Jake Pope announces tonight. That's correct. Uh, he announces tonight, and uh, we should feel good about it. I feel yeah. good about it. I think Alabama feels good about it. There's never any guarantees because of who is recruiting him. I think Georgia has pushed late. Uh, some of the best academic programs in the country want Jake because he's very good academically. Uh, but this is a guy that Alabama has wanted from the jump. Alabama's been recruiting him for a couple of years. And uh, I like these kids that come from these big programs. You know, Jake plays at Buford, which puts out multiple prospects uh, each year, many signing with Power Fives. And it's like, you know, our guys from St. Thomas Aquinas, like, like Jordan Battle, I mean – when they show up from these big-time programs and they've been standout players, I mean, I, I think Jake's floor is Slade Bolden. Now, he's going to be a DB and not a receiver. But, uh, you know, and Slade Bolden came from one of those programs at West Monroe in Louisiana, which is one of the best public high school programs in the United States. And and, and Slade's been good. I, I think that's just kind of a floor for him. So uh, I'll be excited if it's, uh, if it's Alabama, and I think Alabama has a great shot. And we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll also talk about Le'Veon Moss decommitting and what that means for uh, the running back position at Alabama. But until then, Jimmy, roll tide. Roll tide.